Look, the stats are there. The dealerships that can make their commitment to online merchandising, all right, perform better. Yeah. They generate more phone calls. They generate more form fills. Generally, more people walking through the dealership. So, right, fine. Twenty. We're going into twenty twenty. Look at the numbers. Though, what I what I find amazing is we're still worried about the the unit count of leads. Well, that's not really the measurement anymore, is it? Nope. It's, it's and it has always been. It should always be. How many people come to the store to buy a car? Yeah. Hey, hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have my guest, Randy. Randy, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me today. My pleasure. Good to see you again. Yeah. Just a couple weeks ago, we saw each other. I know, Think right? dealer. It's, it's that season, you know? It's that it time is. of year when all these events and conferences are going on. And yeah. It's like, you know how it is. You got to go out there and, you know, kiss babies and shake hands and yeah. do the whole, here's my card. How's it going? Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You're looking good, you know? Yeah, but I love it, though. It's a great opportunity to network with dealers and OEMs and partners and other vendors because we don't get to see them as much, right? A lot of the business yeah. we do today is phone-based business, right? Emails, text, that sort of thing. So, again, great to be face-to-face with people again. It is, it is. Yeah. And it, it's one thing I do enjoy is about this business is being able to get face-to-face. Yeah. And you know how this business is. You know what? As small as it is, it isn't. Right. You know, it's right. just, or sorry, how uh, as big as it is, it's really not, right? It's, right. I mean, everybody absolutely. knows yeah. each other, right? So it's all of a sudden you go to these conferences, you, you're seeing 20 people you haven't seen in a couple of years, but it's yeah. not like no, any time has passed. Um, hey, for everybody out there that's watching or listening and Randy don't, don't know about you or who you work with, kind of let's start right there. What is that origin story that is Randy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a few years. I actually started in the auto industry about... Uh, 25 years ago, I went through the automotive business program up at Georgian College and uh, got in the business because my dad was in the business. He worked for General Motors. He was a DSM, had worked at GM for many, many years. He's since retired. But uh, that's how I got started. I then moved on to a couple of different paths. I actually started out thinking I was going to be a General Motors guy and uh, found I was uh, more interested in software and uh, how that played out. So I actually joined Reynolds and Reynolds Mm -hmm. uh, and... uh, was there for about 14 years, worked my way up through sales, marketing, OEM, end up being the VP of sales, and I left uh, there in about 2008. And, uh, and then I've joined a couple different software companies since and have always found that that's to be, to me, an exciting part of the business mm-hmm. because I love the car business, but I also love how technology plays in that space as well. Yeah, technology is always kind of pushing us to just do better or be better or improve on what we're currently right. doing Evolve. right now, right? Yeah. So what, what company are you working with right now? I'm with Car Media 2.0. We're a digital media company here in Burlington, Ontario, and uh, I've been with the company for about two years. Uh, the company's gone through an interesting change. You might have heard of it as CarPix 2.0 because yep. that's what it was previously known as. But uh, since I joined the company and we've made some fairly major investments in technology and new software, so the company is now much more morphed into a media company. Mm-hmm. So pivoting towards technology like video, which obviously you're very familiar with. Yeah, a little um, bit. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. So we're doing a lot of video products now. We're doing uh, library products, more of a subscription product than our traditional photography mm-hmm. services. So. The company is definitely evolving, and with that is an opportunity for me to help steer where we go. But my main role here is the uh, overseeing the accounts team, which manages the day-to-day relationships with our clients, but also 
developing relationships at a partner level. So strategic partnerships like OEMs and vendors and things like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's been fun. Like the last year has been really crazy as we've been launching a, a few new partnerships. We, we first signed a contract with AutoTrader Canada to develop our new car library for them. So they're actually mm -hmm. gonna be using our product for their marketplace listings going forward. And then uh, shortly thereafter, we signed a contract with Kia Canada. And so we're now doing all the vehicle merchandising for the Kia CPO program nationally. That was really our first step towards doing an OEM type of a program. And since that time, uh, OEMs have been open to listening to us and hearing what we have to say. And uh, so we, we then signed Mercedes-Benz and, and Volvo Canada all in the last few months. So it's been, uh, it's been it's, crazy. It's, it's 2019. It's, it's, I mean, they've, they've caught on, right? They this, have. This they, little tiny thing called merchandising yeah, is yeah, something they actually have to pay attention to. It's huh? funny because <laughs> we've been having conversations for years about the importance of taking good pictures of vehicles, but the OEMs are now getting involved with the equation because they're recognizing that maybe the dealers aren't taking it seriously enough. Yeah. So in that case, they say, look, hey, we can do a great job on Tier 1, uh, but that's where they lose control because it's up to the dealers then on their Tier 3 websites to mm -hmm. merchandise effectively. And so that's really where we come in. And we've grown the business now to about just under 400 clients nationally. Mm -hmm. And uh, most recently, we've been doing some expansion in the U.S. So that's been fun. I've been traveling down the U.S. a little bit more than I had been prior. And a uh, couple of big opportunities kind of brewing south of the border. We're looking to enhance our business down there and grow through either through an OEM channel or even through a direct program, which we're starting to look at too. Yeah, I, I, I'm still surprised that we've been, we've been talking about online merchandising for a long time. I mean, it is not a new topic. I mean, I think the first time I heard of the topic, you know, was at a conference, I would say 2007, maybe something around that time frame, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later, but some around that time frame, you know, that it was becoming a very hot topic. Here we are almost early 10, 12 years later, and we're still talking about it, which does blow my mind a little bit. But it, it still blows my mind how dealerships just haven't simply embraced this. I mean, I have a perfect example of literally for myself how online merchandising is what ultimately made me per, uh, purchase a car from a dealership. Um, me and my wife were going to get a town and country because we had three kids. All right, so we're going to get a minivan. I was like, well, shit, I'm going to get a minivan. I like the town and countries. I like the way they look. I like the four-liter V6. That's the one we're going to get. You know, I was working with eight or nine Chrysler dealerships at the time, handling all their marketing efforts. I, I told my wife, I said, look, here are the eight or nine dealerships that I work with. All right. Eat, every single one of them is going to have some used town and countries. Yeah. You know, just go online, pick which one you like, and then I'll call the dealership. And we'll, set, we'll set up a time to go take a look at it, right? right. She calls me back, um, you know, a few hours later that day, and it goes, I found two with sliding doors. Right? Two with power sliding doors? Wait a second. Every Chrysler town and country has power doors. sliding doors, right? Yeah. So I'm like, wait a second. I mean, there's like over 40 of these things between these dealerships I work with. Like, yeah. how's there only two? She goes, no, there's only two. I'm like, no, hun, every single town and country has power sliding doors. Nope, there's only two. Okay, fine. Show me, show, just send me the links for which ones only have two. You know why she thought there was only two that had it? It was the only two dealerships that took a damn picture of the button for the sliding doors. Right. Because none of the other websites had taken a picture of this little button, she assumed that car did not that, that car did not have that feature. Yeah. Seems amazing, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and it's not like it's not like my wife is a unique car shopper. I mean this is consistent this is how we shop. I mean, no one's gonna no one's gonna go down and read the damn specs right. on the bottom of a VDP page. 
you might as well bury dead bodies there because no one's looking there, right? So, I mean, what is some, like I said, I'm still perturbed that here we are 20 and we're having to push dealerships to buy into this stuff. But what do you guys get as far as roadblocks when a customer is unwilling, I almost it's, uh, taste bad even trying to say that, unwilling to really embrace online merchandising. What's funny, because we don't really outbound call to dealers. Our, most mm-hmm. of what we do is we get referrals. When people call in, they send us a web form, uh, they inquire because they see our work. And what we've done, which is a pretty smart move, our uh, founder of the company, Bart Texa, who started the business basically in a basement, going out and with a briefcase, shopping door to door, selling his services. And the funny thing about that is that's how, the reason why he started the business is because he recognized there was a gap. He was shopping for a car. And he couldn't find any good photos of cars online, just like your wife, right? Yeah. And so he started up his own business. He was a photographer and decided that would be a good thing to do. And he started, and a few years later, got it to where it is today. And, you know, the interesting thing is, although it's changed and a lot of dealers are now focused on merchandising, it's amazing how many still don't. Yeah, you know, right. uh, we look at the numbers and, and again, we're not really outbound selling. We take inbound leads. What Bart did, which was very smart, is he created the, the stamp or the watermark on the bottom right hand corner of the photo. I was going to ask about that because that has been there. I remember when it was Car Picks 2.0. That's right. I remember the day I saw that. It was consistent. And it just seemed like it just kind of. It was his brainchild. It he, he recognized that as this a little small. water logo. He recognized as a small business owner that the only way he could really get the word out was to stamp and brand it. Like yeah. an artist signs off on their work, right? Yeah. Same sort of concept. And so that's how we did it. And uh, since that time, it's allowed us to get into markets in the U.S. Dealers have contacted us and say, I saw your watermark on a dealer's site that I was happened to run across that looks amazing to me. So that's how we got our word out and how we continue to really market most of what we do. It's a word-of-mouth business, and it's a referral business for us. I think that's so funny. I mean, think about it, right? We're talking about how dealerships can increase their business through embracing imagery and online merchandising. And ironically, that is actually what increased your guys' business, right? Right, is the the fact that people were embracing the online uh, online merchandising, yeah. all right? And we know people are looking for it, and other dealers seeing that little watermark actually what exponentially increased your guys' business. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious how fast. So when did? Because I remember when it was Carpex 2.0, but I can't remember how long ago was that. How? When did I start seeing It was about that? just over two years ago when okay. we changed it to Car Media 2.0. Okay. And then the, Carpix 2.0, how long was it with that brand name? Uh, about six years. So okay, the company's about eight so years it's old. Been, I was thinking about eight, almost ten years. So it's eight right. years. Eight years. Yeah. And it's just... And it started as a company growth. with, you know, one or two people. And then Bart got a friend of his that he used to know from school, Emmanuel, who joined him and became his business partner. And then they kind of grew it from there. And then next thing it was three and it was five and it's... It's funny when you look at the photos on the wall, we've got photos of our Christmas parties yeah. over the years. And it's from like three people in a basement to now 30 some odd people across Canada <laughs> um, that work for this business. And that's just our core operations team and our sales yeah. our accounts team. Um, we also have about 120 photographers who work for us nationally. They're all contract employees, but they work for us remotely. And interesting enough, they're looking for work during the week because a lot of times these folks are doing weddings and bar mitzvahs on the weekend. Yep. So they want some, some work to fill the void, right? Mm-hmm. So that seemed to be a perfect fit for us to allow them to earn some money during the week capturing cars, which a lot of them are excited about because they treat that as an art. They can't yep. wait to do that. Um, we train them, of course, on how to follow the process that we want them to follow. But it's, a, it's an interesting business model because it's allowed us to scale up really fast 
um, and to grow the business in a way that uh, probably Bart never anticipated. Well, right. and that's the crazy part. I mean, it went from zero to 400, or right around 400, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, clients in eight years. I mean, and that's impressive. And, and the funny thing is, I don't think I've ever seen a whole lot of marketing efforts coming from you guys. It's, that's right. It's that watermark that has kind That's of right. done, done the job for you. So it's like we're trying to convince the dealerships that their images can increase their business when, in fact, that's exactly what did. Images increased your guys' business. Yeah. And we've recently started uh, investing some time and money into LinkedIn advertising and other types of promotions, you yeah. know, following up with existing customers with e-blasts and things like that. But a lot of that has come because we've introduced new products, right? Yeah. And, you know, going back to your question earlier about how, how few dealers merchandise, uh, it's startling to me how few still don't do a mm-hmm. good job on that front. Probably about, you know, I would say 30% of dealers are doing a really great job on merchandising. They make a real commitment to it. Yeah. 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 And then the other one's and then treated we talk video, as, it's even as, less. It's yeah. Less, it's less, it's less than 5%. Way, fall, way like smaller. Way, way, way smaller, right? Yeah. And that's an area where we we see tons of growth opportunities in video. You know, we, we attended the same Think Dealer conference a yeah. few weeks ago, and one of the things they talked about, uh, Matt Groden from uh, Google Canada was talking about. He's a cool cat. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, I got to meet him a few years ago and uh, have enjoyed working with him. And one of the things I find amazing about him is he speaks to the industry, but he also is a down, he's an Ontario guy, small town yeah. Ontario yeah. guy, right, from Wyerton. And, uh, but he, he speaks about the importance of video and how YouTube has grown and how important it is for dealers to promote video. One yeah. of the things I thought was amazing from that event was like 40% of people who uh, watch a video, their next step is to go visit a dealer. Yeah. And no, they don't submit a form lead, right? They don't click on the 10 different they, form leads they that they have. have. They don't right? have to. They don't have to. They're armed. They're well-informed, right? I, I think it's weird that our marketing efforts are still out there for the most part, strategically designed to generate a lead. Um, God, I hate that word. I so hate the word lead. Like, I really do. Anyways, let's call it an opportunity, right? Generate an opportunity. When, in fact, why are we trying to market to get them to fill out a fucking form when really we just need to be marketing them to come into the damn dealership? You know, but no, all of those call to actions are fill out a form. Instead of a call to action, say, come into the dealership, right? It's old school it is old school thinking, right? But it's also, I, I think what it kind of comes down to is is also our, our inability to embrace the concept of branding. See, like, it's what you guys did knowingly or unknowingly by watermarking every single one of those bloody pictures, all right, you slowly started to create a brand. People can associate the quality of that picture on that dealership's website with that with that brand. And just, it's, it's just the exponential amount of dealerships that had that out there. And it's like, if you wanted that quality of picture, this was a company you did you did the business with. Right. Dealerships, though, are constantly in this new customer acquisition. You know, it's just I got to acquire, I got to acquire, I got to acquire, I got to acquire, right? Yeah. You know, it's just like more leads, more leads, <laughs> more leads, more leads, more leads, and spend almost no time developing out a brand. Yeah. You know, which you guys have literally—that's your backbone. You built your growth pattern has been off of this yeah. brand. Well, a lot of dealers are, are doing a good job on that front now. I look to the, the folks at FAF who have built a brand. You know, it's a, it's a great example of a company that has a multitude of brands that they sell, but when mm-hmm. people think of FAF, they think of FAF. They don't think of Mercedes. They don't think of Audi. Yeah, they don't they think, think of FAF. FAF Volkswagen. They don't think of Volkswagen. They don't think of the Hyundai dealership. It's just, it's just FAF. They know they can buy a vehicle that they want from that organization. Yep. And Delauri's done a, another very similar job, in my opinion, most recently, most recently promoting their VIP experience, where they're mm-hmm. delivering cars now to consumers, taking a page from the Genesis playbook, right? Yep. Um, I think those companies have done a great job. But I look back to... 
even when I started my career not that many years ago, um, maybe more than many years ago, but anyway, uh, I worked with a company out of London called the Finch Organization. Yeah. And at the time, Brian Finch was running the store, and he had, I was telling this story earlier to some of my team members, it was kind of funny. He actually was one of the first dealers I know that was promoting his name and his brand. Mm-hmm. And so he had these company car shuttles that were taking consumers back to their their home. He had demo cars. He had all these cars on the road. And so he decided that's a great branding opportunity. So he cre- he created the tagline, which was amazing to this day, is what's in a name, question mark, everything. And it had a picture of Brian or a picture of his general manager, Dale Werfel, or one of those <laughs> folks. I thought that was really innovative at the time, right? Yeah. And it was really groundbreaking. And I think more dealers should take a page from that book because, um, you know, there is a lot of franchise dealerships across the country. And uh, how do you differentiate, right? How do you yep. stand out and, and, you know, what's your why buy here, right? What's What makes people want to come and visit your store? Well, let's go into the why buy because I think that's actually kind of important, right? I think, um, look, uh, technology does have a part with the why buy. We were talking a little about about this earlier before we started recording was digital retailing, right? Yeah. And uh, people that are embracing the concept of digital retailing as kind of, a, I don't know, a, a, a box solution for why buy here. You know, it's like, oh, look, someone actually provided me a reason why to buy here. I can capitalize on yeah. this. But to your point, we talked about this earlier, I would say less than 30, 35% of people actually merchandising on well, uh, online well. How the hell all of a sudden we decided to jump years ahead and start offering a full-blown e-commerce solution online when we don't even have the damn shopping experience online nailed down? Like, are you I think seeing, the, I think the tech too? I think the technology has enabled it. It was kind of we're on now in that sweet spot in terms of the tools that are available. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why digital retailing has taken as long as it has to come. Um, and the, the reason why I say that is because when you look at um, like Dealer Access and Curamax, when they mm-hmm. joined, form, joined together to become Dealer Track, they became a finance portal. And the finance portal enables you to submit credit apps, right, electronically. Yeah. So that was step one. And then we started looking at companies that have value trades, you know, Black Book, you know, Kelly Blue Book, things like that. That's another piece that you need to do digital retailing. And then the next step from that was you know, these uh, tier three websites that are enabled with shopping cart technology like what Moto Insight does in the example, yep. where they allow you to go in and start the process online at home and finish as much of it as you want or do it at the dealership. Yeah. And I think those kind of three um, pillars, if you will, uh, enable digital retailing because now skipped, it's possible. But we skipped one of the most important ones. Yeah. Like, I mean, sure. I just like. We got ahead of ourselves. Like, we got ahead of ourselves, and like, yeah. we're, we're now focusing on e commerce and digital retailing when. Did, did I miss something? Like, did, did something happen and I was confused? I, maybe I wasn't there for the meeting or I didn't get the memo or something. And it was like, how, what happened to us actually providing a shopping experience? You know, it's like um, video. You know, Last couple conferences we've been in, that seems to be a big hot topic, which still kind of blows my mind because it's been a big hot topic for the last five to six years. Right. But we're still talking about well, it. Well, this industry is slow to adapt to change. I, you know what? We keep using that excuse, but then the amount of digital retailing I see pop up all over the place is quite big. So it's like I'm concerned that digital retailing out there is making our industry lazy. Mm. It's it's you know it's the easy button. Yeah. All right. It's like you know well, what? Because merchandising because merchandising is not necessarily easy. It's it can be time consuming. Like right. you gotta have a process. I think if it, if I think if it helps generate business for dealers, it's a good thing. Uh, sure. I think if consumers enjoy the experience, I 
I kind of look at it like there's so much friction in the business, right? You yep. know, when you want to buy a car, all the paperwork you have to do, the things you have to do with mostly at this store mm-hmm. are things that consumers don't want to do, and they want to make it easier for them. They want it easier for them to buy a car. So I think that's a benefit. But you're right. I think some of the concerns I have is that you're putting the cart before the horse, right? If you're not effectively merchandising your inventory, as an example, selfishly I'm saying that, uh, you you Thought really aren't, you, huh? you're, you're not going to get a consumer to come to your dealership to buy a car if you haven't shown them what the car looks like. What's amazing to me is if you look at the number of dealers out there that, and this is pretty important to us right now as we've launched our new car library product, mm-hmm. is how many dealers are still putting stock photos on their website. Yeah. And we know, statistically, it's proven, they don't convert. People don't go from a VLP to a VDP with a stock photo. Because what? It, why? Like, why? Why would you? you know what I mean? What's the point? Right. Like, what, what What would be the value in that? Wow, the car I'm going to buy sure in the hell doesn't look like that. So let me just go ahead and try to convert on a car that doesn't look like what I'm potentially going to buy. It's, it's no different than when you think about, and I've, I've used this story before, is if you're going out to your favorite store to buy a shirt. Yeah. You know, are you going to want a picture of a shirt that doesn't look like the one you want? Are you going to take a picture of a shirt that's wrinkled and dirty and hanging on the or lying on the floor? Yep. Like consumers not going to buy that. They're not going to come to a website to buy it. They're not going to come to a store to buy it. Well, let's use a shirt for example because I do buy my shirts online, right? Uh, I've gone through the um, uh, Indochino company, so I went in. I went, they went in their satellite stores, went in there, did my whole fitting thing. They got me all fitted up. Yeah. Now I just go online and I just buy shirts. So I just went. I just got a. An email for a Black Friday special. It was five shirts, 350 bucks. You know, like, perfect. I need more dress shirts. I'll go yeah, do that. You know, I know, I know they fit. You know, and they and when they don't, they have a great, you know, return and get you right back. You know, type process. Um, there are more pictures of that shirt that I wanted to order. I went there to go look at it, and it was 13 images. 13 images of a shirt, of a freaking shirt. Not 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 a car that has not a $40, you know exactly yeah not a forty thousand dollar car with you know a hundred and ten different little unique features or functions to it or something like that a bloody freaking shirt thirty pictures I mean I could zoom in I could I could see the threading on it I could see the pattern in the shirt I could see all the way down to the cut I mean, they got it figured out they got it figured out on a essentially a $70 shirt, but we can't and seem to figure it out on a $40,000 And that's car. what's amazing, you know, when you think about it today, is that why why are we trying to get into digital retailing if we haven't got that piece figured out? But right. at the end of the day, we also have to recognize that there's challenges that dealers face in terms of capturing cars, right? I mean, there's and it's no small feat when you think about it, especially these metro stores that have tiny parking lots, their cars are off-site, they've got all the shipping tape from the manufacturer on them, so they can't physically capture every one of those cars. And that's really why... We built New Car 2.0 because we yeah. recognized that for a lot of dealers, it wasn't that they didn't want to. A, it was too expensive to do it, or, or B, they couldn't get access okay, well, to the cars. You're being more, much more kinder than I'm going to be because I'm just going to call it straight-up laziness. All right? The fact that it's too expensive. So wait, it's too expensive to do it, or is it too expensive not to do it? Right. That, that's, that one's a pretty simple one. What we know for a fact all right, that a website well-merchandised all right, with well-captured videos will convert 30 to 60 times higher than one without. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So, Maybe uh, I'm being too nice, but I, you are, I'm but also okay. in the business of trying to sell what we have to know, sell. And the, to, you, you, the reality <laughs> is we have to deal with our clients, and I'm, 
I like to be sympathetic to dealers because I understand that they have challenges of their own, right? Everybody has their own challenges and how but, they want to run you know their what? business. If I want to lose 20 fucking pounds, guess what? I got to actually work at you it. You got to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Like, it's not, it, it's not like I could get to sit there and say, well, you know, it's going to cost a little too much or, you know, it's the time it's going to take to do it, it's a little higher. If I want to lose the 20 fucking pounds, I got to do the work. And do the work. Right? If, if a dealership wants to increase their online conversions, if they want to increase their in dealership traffic, all right, I don't, I, 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 for me, I'm just like, I don't, I don't care what the excuse is. Yeah, right? you got to do if it. If you want it, you got to do it. You know, it's interesting for us. We've anecdotally known for years that we help dealers sell more cars, right? Yeah. We know that we provide great photos and we know that consumers gravitate to those photos. There's, there's no doubt yeah. for us. But what's interesting for us as of late because of some of these OEM, new OEM partnerships that we've formed, we now have access to analytical data that tells us what is actually happening. There you go. And so, you know, when we launched the Mercedes and Volvo program, those companies looked at the data from their website providers and said, look, let's compare dealers that are on CarMedia 2.0 mm-hmm. to dealers that aren't. And what was amazing is we actually got real life data out of that that helped us to illustrate that our cons- our customers can generate 12 to 15% more leads. Just leads? Just leads. So we're talking form fills. I'm talking form fills. I'm talking click to so calls. We're not, we're not even talking about so walk-ins. No. We, and. and we're not really able to measure that. Stuff, and yeah. It's more about what we can measure are things like uh, the number of people that will click from a VLP to a VDP. Yeah. And then the amount of time they spend on the VDP uh, with our photos and our videos versus the others. Yeah. And it was quite, a, quite compelling and it was really rewarding for us to recognize that we can actually make a material difference and now oh, yeah, justify 100%. why dealers should invest in what some perceive to be a job they give to the lot guy. I don't even understand that. One of the most important parts to a customer's journey is their shopping experience, and let's give it. Let's give that responsibility to someone who who doesn't partake. Doesn't give a shit, right? D- and doesn't ever partake in what the results of those efforts can ever be. Like it, right. it just, you know, it happens all the time in car dealerships. I mean, I grew up in the business. I've seen it yep. time and time again where they they find a part time job for someone who's already on the payroll. And it's not necessarily the best thing to do. Like, it's, it's great that you've got someone who, let's say they're a receptionist, but is it great for them to now handle inbound calls for sales leads? Maybe not. Maybe they're not qualified to yep. do it, right? The jack of all trade and master of nothing kind of crap. A few. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. you see a lot of that. It, you know, it, it has changed. It has improved in some areas. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I'm excited about is it's now becoming an important description of a business. It yeah. used to be you'd think of a dealership and they, what would they need? They'd need a website. They'd need a lead management tool. They'd need a CRM tool. I remember when they actually would argue with you if they needed a website. For You've sure. You've been in the business yeah. long enough to remember that. No, absolutely. I legitimately be, remember being in a conversation where someone looked me straight in the face and said, my clients don't go online. All right. I, don't I think we're finally past that stage, I would hope. Thank God. <laughs> you know? um, but we're still, unfortunately, at that one stage here. Apologies. Well, you know, what, what I was going to say is that <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that in our business now, and we're seeing this, is people are calling up asking about our vehicle merchandising solutions. Mm-hmm. It's not about taking pictures of cars anymore. It's like it's, it's literally become a business unit like CRM is, like websites are, like lead management yep. are, right? And they recognize that. And even the OEMs. 
Um, the latest two that we've been working with have a program specifically around dealer images or vehicle merchandising. Yep. So th- they get it. They understand the importance of it. And for us, it just helps us to get our word out more effectively to the dealers and help them to understand that it can be done. And, you know, one of the things you hear a lot of and, you know, you hear lots of excuses in this business. Well, the car's in the back. It's covered in snow. I can't get to it. Da, 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 da. Right. All sorts of reasons. Yep. Um, but you know what? If you look at the right solutions and the technology that's out there, there are ways in which you can actually capture a car in the winter mm-hmm. and make it look real and make it look like it's sitting, still sitting in front of the dealership. And those are some of the things that we do as a company that, uh, that I think stands out. Yeah, you guys have done some pretty cool stuff, like you have, right? Um, with the dealerships out there, I'm, I'm curious, how, how many, actually, that's a question for you. How many manufacturers right now are making it a mandate? Do you know? Because I was thinking about that as we were talking. I'm like, I don't know of a manufacturer that has gone as far to the point yet where they've officially made it a mandate. Well, Kia Canada is the first one to mandate that dealers, the Kia dealers that are selling CPO vehicles, all have to merchandise through us. Okay. So that's the first one that I that I know of. Um, in the states, uh, OEMs are looking at different programs. Most of them, though, are opt-in programs where they're yeah, saying most of them opt-in. where they're that's saying their dealers. One that just literally came out and said, "Look, again, collectively, you guys can make Kia, a decision Kia, for yourself. Kia, I'll make a decision." Kia was you. the first. Um, and I think it took some innovative leadership. Yeah. We worked with a guy named Stefan Lubin, who uh, I think is a very progressive Stefan's guy. Awesome. He's a cool guy. He's now at Mercedes-Benz, and he's looking to see how we can do some more stuff like that with Benz. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want the OEMs to come out and mandate one solution. Because I think if we look at what's happened in the past with a lot of programs, OEM programs yep. in particular is they'll mandate one product, sort of like GM and CDK and websites, right? Which always never works out well, but right. I just I would just love them to actually come out and mandate that they have to have a commitment to all Yeah, and that's what, I, that's what I, I would I, love to see. I echo that sentiment. In fact, I think they should recommend a short list of vendors, yeah. and then dealers can choose. And in my opinion, the, the multi-vendor certification model is, uh, is the best way. Yeah. And it, it helps dealers still get a choice, but it also helps the OEMs by picking, you know, working with the dealer network to pick a good group of vendors that can fit in that space, yeah. right, and can deliver the results. At the end of the day, I think the OEMs would love to see uh, every one of their dealers merchandising. In fact, a couple that we've been talking to as of late are saying to us, hey, we recommend you guys. Yeah. Because we recognize you do good work. We're, we're actually auditing our dealers' websites now, mm-hmm. and we're finding that dealers that aren't compliant with our brand standards, because a lot of OEMs now have photo guideline brand standards. Yep. GM is an interesting example where they want all Cadillac vehicles to have a Cadillac banner behind it. Yep. Right. All Lincoln dealers have to have a Lincoln banner behind it. Well, there's complexity and challenges that go with that, and it limits the abilities for dealers to do that. Yet the OEM, of course, wants to focus on their brand of choice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, GM and uh, GM and Lincoln are both doing that sort of thing. Also, they're both multi-brand uh, OEMs. Uh, but I'll tell you, the the OEMs across Canada and the U.S. are getting serious about this stuff now, and they're recognizing that. Yeah, we can lead the horse to water at the Tier 1 site, but once we're past that, it's kind of like... Well, it's beneficial for them. So it, it actually surprised me it's taken them this long. I mean, they, they went as far as mandating you had to have a website, right? Um, so it surprised me it's taken this long, but now they mandate, they're going to start mandating if you're going to do your online merchandising or not. Yeah. I mean, they look, the stats are there. The dealerships that can make their commitment to online merchandising, all right, perform better. Yeah. They generate more phone calls. They generate more form fills generally more people walking through the dealership so 
Right, fine. Twenty. We're going to twenty twenty. Look at the numbers. So what I what I find amazing is we're still worried about the the unit count of leads. Well, that's not really the measurement anymore, is it? No. It's, it's and it has always been. It should always be. How many people come to the store to buy a car? Yeah. Right. And if we can drive that number up, if we can improve that number overall, higher tide raises all water. Right. That sort yep. of concept. And I think if we if we can do that and we can help dealers continue to grow, our, our business will continue to. Be fantastic. I've been in the business for 25 years, and you know the age-old saying is, even a bad year in the auto business is a good year. Yeah, it's kind of true, isn't That's it? True. Right? When it you is. think about it, maybe it the is. exception of 08, 09. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, it's been a pretty good run for yeah. many, many years. I it's um it's tough for us as a marketing company because I actually I only have two mandates when I work with a client. Fortunately, these two mandates have have held me back from working with a lot of dealerships out there. First mandate is that they absolutely have to have a commitment to their online merchandising, right? Mm -hmm. uh, second mandate is that they actually have to participate in the marketing efforts. This is not uh, sign a check and just, you know, turnkey, turn right? You actually have to do the work, you know? Um, but I'll tell you, those two things and that first one has held me back from a lot of dealerships. It has held me back from a lot of dealerships. Because, you know, for me, from a marketing perspective, because we see the analytics all day long, it doesn't matter how amazing my Facebook ads are, my Instagrams are, um, Instagram ads are, my story ads, or my videos, or my HTML5 ads, or it doesn't matter any of that, all right? How I segment them and develop them out, if someone can't go online and have a clean shopping experience, I just, I can literally see the analytics. Well, I think you're doing yourself a favor, honestly, because you know, at the end of the day, you can sell to every dealer across the country, but if the dealers can't support what you're trying to work on together, if you're not, not willing to work with you on it, it's going to be another failed exercise, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I've been in this business long enough to know that sometimes it's better to pick your battles. Like, do I want to work with a dealer that's progressive and who sees the value in what we do? Of course I do. But where you have to draw the line, too, is, you know, if they're not willing to participate, if they're not bought in, or if they just think by signing a check it's going to solve everything, mm -hmm. that doesn't work. And it's no. it's better to kind of cut your losses in that way and and just find the right niche for you. Yeah. Right. Well, you know it's it's cool to see more and more. It increases every single year the people that are embracing their online merchandising. But what are you seeing right now as being the future of online merchandising? Where do you see us? I mean, mm. I know right now it's kind of crazy. Even 10, 12 years into it, we're still struggling with the exact same thing. But at some point, everything's going to catch up. Either manufacturers mandate, yeah. everyone's got to do it, whatever. But then there has to be that next level. Well, for us, for the foreseeable future, it'll be around new car and the importance mm. of getting dealers to move away from stock photography or stock images to either full service capture or a, a library product like we've offered. Mm -hmm. We think there's a lot of growth there. We think there's an opportunity to help dealers get their vehicles merchandised more effectively without Faster. having to shoot them uniquely. Sure. We think that's so kind if of everybody the... Everybody who's listening and watching this and don't understand what that library means, can you explain to them real quick what, the, what, sure. what you guys do? Yeah, so what we've done works. over the last couple of years is we've worked with a group of partner stores for mm -hmm. a variety of brands uh, to go out and capture every current vehicle, year, make, model, trim, color, exterior color, and interior color, and we've shot them uniquely. We've then taken that and created a library of new vehicles, such that, for example, with Honda, we've created a library of Honda vehicles that we can now sell to a dealer as a subscription. So when they get that vehicle in stock, we get a feed from them through their inventory, and it tells us they've got a new 2020 Honda Accord in a certain trim level and color. We then push the photo set onto their website, the 25 photo set, 
We replace the backgrounds. So the vehicle it appears as if it's sitting uniquely at their store in front of their masthead of the dealership. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive improvement. Think about trying to do that in the middle of winter when you've got a foot of snow. We've got some snow outside right now, but it's probably going to melt. But the reality is once winter kicks in, it really changes and limits the ability for dealers to merchandise their cars. So this is a logical solution that we think will really help dealers um, move from season to season and you know, avoid those situations like a car that was maybe purchased or in February, and yep. they still have it in their lot in April, and it's still got snow on it. Well, guess what? The consumer sees that, and they know that, and they think, what? why is this car not selling? Is there something wrong with it? Right? Whereas we can, we can accommodate that with our new car library product. And it's, it's exciting. It's something we've, as I mentioned earlier, we've licensed out to Trader for them to use here in Canada. We've got other parties interested in the solution south of the border, too, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Um, so that's kind of the, the status quo or the immediate future. I think beyond that, um, we're, we're looking at new technologies that we're developing right now around cloning that okay. allows you to shoot one car and then clone it onto multiple cars. It really uh, is a, a similar solution to our new car library, okay. although it allows you to get more granular in terms of the features on that sp- particular vehicle. Gotcha. Uh, beyond that, we're in the stages of final stages now of developing a, what we call spin car. Okay. Which, if you look at companies like Carvana in the States, they've, they've obviously bought that technology. They're using it in their stores. It's helped them be more success, uh, successful because it's immersive technology. Yep. You can actually see the car. You can swipe through it. You can gravitate to the inside. You can sit inside the car and look at the dashboard, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's technology that isn't necessarily new, but it's something that dealers are slow to embrace. But beyond that, I really think we're going to get into interesting AI stuff where consumers will be able to walk up to a car maybe with their phone and be able to scan it. So I was, was going to ask you, I was wondering when do we see kind of augmented reality coming into play, Yeah, possibly I think, VR? But. I think you'll see it in the next couple of years. Um, and the reason why is because consumers still go to dealerships on Sundays. Yeah. Right? They still go to a dealership on a Sunday because they're afraid that they're going to have to talk to somebody on a Saturday. So they'll go in on a Sunday and they'll see that car. The problem is they're relying on the window sticker of that car and what they can see from the outside. Sure. Right? Um, that, it's a logical progression from being on the website and seeing the car, but it's, it's a letdown, kind of a lunch bag letdown, because they get there and they can't actually immerse themselves in the car. So what we think is coming is technology where you buy, you could actually take a phone, scan certain segments of the car, and on that screen would pop up feature benefit statements, mm-hmm. specifications, uh, mileage, horsepower, things like that. Um, it's also important technology because because so many consumers are shopping online we we see the value in being able to illustrate strengths and weaknesses for example if you're selling a used car although it might have a scratch on it and a dent on it you want to be able to consu- uh, communicate that to a consumer before they come to your store yep. right um, because they don't want to come to the dealership to find out the car's not as immaculate as they thought it was yep now on the flip side of that you could also say on that car hey there's four brand new tires, and you can zoom up and close in on the fact that it's got a full depth, brand new set of tires on it. So those are the types of things that I think will help improve the experience for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And we look at it through the lens of, if we're shopping for a car, what would we want to see? Yep. Not necessarily what dealers are asking of us to do, because honestly, we we prefer to be able to say, if we're shopping for a car today, what would we want to be able to see online? All right. And then looking at it, our business through that lens, I think, is allowing us to continue to evolve, continue to invest in new technologies that will help us grow. And I think it's a lot of, a lot of bright future for the company and for the industry as a whole 
um, whether it be you know providing them the tools to help more effectively vehicle merchandise, but also give them tools so that when it is ready, when digital re- retailing is really they're ready for it, they're ready, right? Yeah, it's kind of like. Uh it's a balance between those two techs right now. Yeah. You know, I think digital retailing is just kind of ahead of our merchandising efforts, but as our merchandising efforts continue to climb, we'll eventually at some point in time intersect a lot cleaner than I think what we have already. Yeah, agreed, uh, agreed. And digital and, and retailing. I think it'd be cool, like augmented reality. Hey, if I could sit at home right now and just throw on those goggles and I could see the car show up in my living room, don't like that one, don't like that one. Oh, that one's nice click on it now I'm inside the car and I can kind of see I can see the the cloth I can see the radio functions I can see you know like, it's not that far off it really isn't you know so no. it's exciting that and, we can get to that point and what's amazing when you think about the stats too or in the industry we live in today is the average number of consumers are test driving between one to two cars yep so it's not like the old days where they go out and they'd go to the auto mall and they'd test drive eight cars yep right it doesn't happen anymore so they do their research online they rely on reviews more than a lot of other things they rely on online reviews today and they find a dealership they think is reputable and they find the vehicle they want on that dealership's website and they'll go to the store and nine times out of ten they're going to buy the car so for a dealership it's really helpful because it's helping them bring a a more educated consumer who's lower in the buying funnel if you will for sure uh, to the dealership and you spend less time Selling and more time being consultative. Well, you're able to go right into the relationship. So we see this a lot right now. Like on the used car side, I have just a handful of dealerships that have made a huge commitment. Not all, right? I would love to say a ton, but in reality, it's not. But I've had uh, several dealerships that have made a very real commitment to producing and putting together videos for every single one of their used cars. Mm. Um, on the new, but that's more of I can do one for a Nissan Rogue SL and then I'm kind of done. Like, do I really need to do it for? All 47 I have in stock. Right. No, right? But with used, it's still used. It's I don't care if there's 400 used Honda Civics you know, that are 2015 out there. There's still That one is still unique for whatever particular reason. You yeah. know, the way that it was driven or who driven it or how what condition it is in or whatever it is. But um, being able to put that video out there not only kind of highlights the product and, like you said, those scratches and those dings and those dents and those pros and those cons, but then also you get to consume the story of the individual that I get to work with, right? So it's like I get to meet Charles, the sales person, you know, yeah. and I get to hear kind of his tonality, his passion, his authenticity behind it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I go in and I meet that guy, he's he, he like sounds the, bar- like yeah. the barriers start coming down. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like it's like I like that guy. I like his vibe. I like his commitment to the product yeah. or hers. Or it doesn't matter. You know, it's just like now I come in. I feel more comfortable. A about the product. Now I also feel more comfortable about the person. And we just kind of bypass that whole transactional part and get straight into the relationship development yeah. part. And you think of it this way: if you've done a lot of that pre-selling, if you will, and the consumer comes in, they've got a particular vehicle in mind. You have more time as a salesperson mm-hmm. to develop that relationship in person yep. and more time to help them to understand the other options that are available to them. I, I look at F&I as an area that I worked in for, for quite a few years in the aftermarket. And one of the challenges is you have a very small window to build a relationship in the business office. Mm-hmm. You have a very smart small window, if you will, to present solutions that you think are best for the consumer. And if you can move that up into the website, and you can present the solutions on the website, whether it be a digital retailing solution or videos to promote the business office products, 
I think it brings a consumer more informed to the store. 100%. And it gives the dealership an opportunity to present a broader suite of offerings than maybe what that business manager wants to sell. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there are... I know that there are some amazing business managers out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you don't know that until you've had the opportunity to go into the dealership and experience it, mm-hmm. right? So that means the thousands and thousands of people that did not go into the dealership, right, never got a chance to learn about John's passion and his his concern and his intent to want to serve others never got an opportunity to consume that story. You know, it's like for some reason there's a, there's this barrier between the physical and the digital dealership. And it's like, we do a lot of shit, right? Physically, Mm -hmm. like customer comes in the dealership looking for a pre-owned vehicle. We do a great job of going over the story of that pre-owned vehicle, what we did for reconditioning. You know, that's another thing I always thought was kind of funny. Like if you go online right now, you look at used cars, Right, you look at dealers versus private owned. Man, private people that sell their vehicles private, they get it. Mm. Like there'll, there'll be there'll be four paragraphs. Right. You know, oh, you know, my son drove it every single year to college, but it's been yeah. sitting for the last couple months. But I just did the tie rods, the brakes, the rear struts. You know, like right. they tell the freaking story. Mm-hmm. You know, but for some reason, us as dealers, just you know, we'll throw our car up there, and it's like it's got power windows. Power locks, a steering wheel. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's a, it's a, that's a struggle for sure. Right? You, you know? know, I think though when you think about that experience to get a consumer to your dealership, and because there's so much online information about products now too, unfortunately there's a lot of negative information online too. Where, sure. So consumers come into the business office maybe somewhat hesitant. They're like, oh, I heard about that. I don't want to buy that warranty. I don't want to buy that insurance product or or that one's not good for me. I think that's a shame because, you know, we've kind of done it to ourselves. If Mm -hmm. we can now move that up so the consumers can find information online about the product. What I love seeing, we talk about videos, why I think they're fantastic is in the business office, if you can have a video that shows why a wear protection product is right for your new BMW X5 yep. because a replacement rim costs $2,000. Easy. And a new tire because it's run flats, another $1,000. Wow, I can buy a warranty that can protect my vehicle to make it look new during my entire ownership cycle. Yeah. And you're doing it on their own. They're doing it in their pajamas at night on their laptop doing this research. And then they're co- now coming they're to the store saying, themselves. hey, wait. You know, this is actually a good thing for, I'm going to give you some more time to tell me why that's important, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to jam all of that into a, a 30-minute conversation, which, unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with bureaucracy and paperwork. There's so many documents consumers have to sign. It blows my mind that we do that at the very end of it, yeah. right? But I think what it is... Kind of backwards, just, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, for some reason, we still look at our physical dealership and our digital version of our dealership as just being these two separate entities and uh, what we do and how we say things over here is not what we do and how we say things over here but it's that is not what the customer wants the customer wants a seamless all right transition from from online to physical and why we are withholding information or not giving enough information on our online because we want them physically come on it's 2019 it's getting yeah this is that information's available online i don't care what they say and you, consumers can get be the that. source of it like the of dealership course. should be the source you, of the you want to own it and present it in the best light possible like to your point you don't want a customer going out there and saying should i buy the extended warranty because you're going to find a whole 
crap load of videos about why they shouldn't. Right. right? A lot of negative but, stuff. But not a ton of negative stuff, right? But no, very few people out there are actually talking about the positive. To your point, $2,000 wheel. Like, Jeez. in Toronto, they don't take much. Yeah. You know? Potholes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Driving in Montreal, yeah, major problem, right? So... <laughs> No, I, I, I think there's an opportunity to bring those two together. Yeah. And one of the things that we were talking about in a meeting just the other day is how there's still a conversation about marketing versus digital marketing. It's yeah, all marketing. It's all marketing. It's, it's all, all marketing. It, it's all marketing. And those two points have now kind of collided, if you will, that illustrate that digital marketing is finally exceeding traditional advertising I don't, I don't in the dealership environment, that. which is crazy, right? I mean, we know consumers are shopping online. Digital advertising is... Yeah. The most important thing you can do, really, to attract a consumer to your store. You know what my favorite one is? It really drives me nuts. Darn those internet customers. Yeah. Who the hell came up with that one? Yeah. Like, oh, you know those internet customers? I don't deal with those internet. Everybody is a fucking internet customer. Everybody. All right? They, Everybody. They found your location. Guess what? They had to look it up. Mm-hmm. They called you. They didn't know it. They had to find it somewhere. What do you think they did? There's still, a, spa- there's still a space for branding your dealership and advertising. And yes. not everything has to be online, don't get me wrong. And maybe newspaper works for some people. Maybe TV works for some. Maybe radio works for some people. But it has to be a good mix of different types of advertising. And I think the, the, the more effectively you can brand your store, the more you can rely on that for consumers to want to relate to you and to want to buy from you. For sure. Right? You look at uh, Bud's, which is just down the road here from us. They've got half a dozen stores. And you don't hear people talking about Bud's BMW no. or the Jaguar Land Rover store. They say the Bud's family. Yep. And they promote the fact that they're a family organization. They have been for many, many years. And that really resonates with a lot of people. So, again, give a consumer a reason. Because I don't think it does. No? No. I, I think, I it, don't think, I think so. it works for them. I think well, that's a good spot for them. I think you have to define what it actually means. Like, uh, I think we can't go. The fact that you say that you're family, honestly, I don't think anybody gives a shit. You know, I think at one point in time, like that phrase held some weight, you know, because there were big box retailers and then there were small mom paws, right? And those were your two options, right? Mm-hmm. But like um, the Hilton family of hotels and resorts all over the world is owned by the Hilton family. Yeah. It's still a family that owns it. It doesn't, it's a huge monstrosity of a company, but it's still owned by a family, right? But I think what it is is what it means to be owned family owned you have to define that out yeah right like what does that mean well it's is not that, enough to just mean, say you're family owned yeah it's like you have to give a reason treat him? behind it is it is it your commitment to wanting to make the transaction a little easier because if you were dealing with a family member that's what you would do like just, just we have to go farther. i think the messaging needs to be that it's a relatable business that you're still you're still a, a person humans. who's buying from a person right yeah, it's people from and, that, and that's people where buying it, from people and that's where when, when some of these dealer groups become so big it sometimes comes across maybe as a as a bureaucratic machine and maybe as you talk about big box that's yeah. something i think we've got to try to avoid because uh, consumers still want to be able to, I think in most cases, buy from someone they like. Yeah. Right? Speaking of buying from someone you like, okay, so I think of merchandising. I think of merchandising in many different ways, right? Um, dealerships are out there that, that are embracing merchandising their inventory. That's great. But the one thing that <clears throat> is probably the most valuable commodity that they have, and they do no job or just no effort of all merchandising, is their people. I mean, they have amazing people. I knew a dealership, I walked in there, started talking to them, realized this dealership on the sales floor alone collectively spoke 13 different languages. 
-hmm. Collectively, this showroom had over 140 years of experience. I'm just like, holy crap. And you didn't know. know. We don't merchandise probably our most valuable inventory. Go visit your clients' websites, and I will challenge you that probably seven times out of ten, they will not have current photos of their staff members. They will they will not give you a contact information for any of their people because they no want information to push about it all through who the they BDC. Are, how they got started? None of that. We actually recognized it a few years ago, and we started doing employee videos. There you which go. is kind of a cool way, and Very it's sort cool of like way. this interaction. You're yeah. asking funny questions. Of, you know, what's your favorite movie? What What are you into? Blah blah blah. What's your favorite beer? What's yeah, your, yeah, that sort of thing. And it makes it a personal thing, and it makes the consumer recognize that hey, this is somebody who's just trying to make a living. It's not a a salesperson trying to sell me something. It's someone who I can relate it's a human. to. It's a person. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think those are uh, those are good tools. But man, I think if we see more of those types of things coming about, uh, we talked earlier about. You know the walk around video, yeah. And you know on LinkedIn and Facebook, there's a lot of great walk around videos. There's, there's some really some cheesy ones, ones, and then there's some that are just some like, really oh my bad God. ones. Um, <laughs> I heard a story the other day about a dealership who the salespeople didn't want to do their own videos. Yeah. So the the new salesperson they hired, they said, "Well, you're going to do videos because you're new. You're a newbie. You don't have any clients yet." So this guy. <laughs> took it upon himself to start creating these videos and walk around videos and things like that. And next thing you know, people started coming to the dealership asking for him. Yeah. And the, the seasoned salespeople were like, hey, why is Billy getting all the leads all of a sudden? Well, Billy merchandised himself. Yes. Right? And these other folks who are relying on traditional walk-in traffic or hoping that the referral business is generating the business that they want them to need to kind of wake up and smell the coffee. It's not 100%. enough about that. And especially when brand loyalty is at an all-time low. Yeah. So consumers that were driving a Chev last year are going to drive a Nissan this year. The cars are great. They're all great. Like, I mean, you've been in the industry to remember when there were <laughs> the bad cars ones. and there were shit cars. Yeah. Like, there was a, yeah. you remember the ponies? Oh, yes. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> the K cars. Classic <laughs> example. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there were there were good cars and then there were... Cars you drove for a couple of years, uh, yeah. or four or five years, and then threw away. No, now right? everyone's making great cars. Everyone would, is making I, great cars. I was in a Hyundai Elantra the other day. First time I probably sat down with a brand new 2020 Hyundai Elantra, um, and I was just like, I, "Was this an Audi?" I mean, it had this, the tablet-like screen, soft touch points, and carved seats, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" No one builds a bad product anymore. So yeah. to your point, um, you know. And that's what I would actually like to start seeing more in these conferences. Like, okay, okay, I think you've taken the bat about merchandising our online inventory enough and beating us over the head, even though, yeah, we're still not doing it well enough. But it should be like, what's the next evolution of merchandising? And our mm-hmm. most valuable inventory at a dealership is our people. And it's like, and, and it's also the salespeople. How are they merchandising themselves? Right. If the dealership's not going to make the commitment to it, then damn, the salesperson. Take it upon yourself to do it. That, right? That'd be advice I would give to a salesperson today. And simple little things like, you know, um, I read an article on LinkedIn just this week about a signature line. What, what sort of signature line do you put on a uh, on an email? And some of them are so bad, you think to yourself, like, is that the way you want to present yourself yeah. to a, someone who's taking this time to submit a lead yep. to your dealership? So, yeah, we've got to continue to get better at this stuff. And I think, you know, those of us that are a student of the business, like you and I are, mm-hmm. um, We've got to continue to drive that message out there. And, yeah, I'd love to see more uh, webinars and workshops and things like that that help drive that message home. Yeah, the cool thing is as long as we've been in the business and as much that has changed to it, 
um, and has as good as it's got. Like people still realize it. We're doing quite well right now. Yes, 2017 yeah. was one of our biggest years. Yes, 2018 was a little lower. Yes, 2019 was a little lower. Yes, 2020 is going to be a little bit lower. But still, I mean, we're selling more cars. I mean, if, if, if in 2007 or 2008, if someone told you that we were going to sell, you know, 2 million units, I think you probably just would have said, no, yeah. <laughs> like that ain't going to happen, yeah. right? Like, that's, that's, that's crazy. It's continued to grow. And yeah. that's the great thing about our business. So there's just so much more opportunity. That's why I think the one thing I do love about this business, right? Is that just when you think you got it, nope. Yeah. There's more opportunity. There, there is just one more thing or five other or 15 other things you can do just to continue just to I think I think it's like, you know, I, I've used this expression before with my team at a couple different companies. And I talk about Kaizen and continuous improvement mm-hmm. and how the Japanese figured that out a long time ago, right? Yeah. They continue to make that Camry the best possible vehicle it could be yeah. year after year. Corolla evolved year after year after year, right? Um, my advice to uh, uh, someone in this business who's just getting into it or who wants to get better is to be a student of the business, right? Yes. Listen to Listen to webinars and podcasts like people like yourself that are generating, um, attend workshops, go to webinars, excuse me, go to workshops, uh, whether it be NADA, those mm-hmm. sorts of things, digital dealer, uh, and just continue to amp your game up. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the moment you stop doing that is the moment you fall behind, and you're no longer going to be part of the solution. You're now part of the problem, which is what we're trying to get away from, especially in this industry, which has traditionally had a bit of a bad rap, right? I think we need to continue to make it a better place. And at the end of the day, we have to make that commitment. And I think Agreed. really that is kind of what the whole thing of this our entire conversation today has been about. The willingness to make commitment. Yeah. You know, commitment to your personal merchandising, to your uh, business merchandising, to your inventory mer- merchandising, to your brand, to your marketing. Everything is revolved about how much you're willing to commit into and how deep that commitment is going yeah. to be. Dive into the shallow end. Yeah, right? right? Absolutely. Randy, thank you so much for taking the time to My jam pleasure. with me today. This was so much fun. For yeah. everybody out there that's watching or listening right now, what is the best way to connect with you? You can reach me directly. My cell is 905-467-1995. Or you can drop an email if you like at rprice at carmedia2p0.com. And uh, I'd love to handle any questions that come in and uh, love to connect with you again soon, Jason. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Randy. I really appreciate this. It was fun. Cheers.